Joining me by phone, the Lieutenant Governor of our great state, Jeff Duncan. Good morning to you. Good morning, Eric. You have the high risk of either hearing lightning in the background or one of my kids screaming. So I'll Oh, it, it, it is the exact same thing here. The exact same thing. I, I can hear a kid running around probably doing something dangerous behind the soundproof doors, and it is lightning here. <laughs> we live the yes. same life. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I got to ask you out of the gate here. What what are your thoughts on on this reopening plan, particularly in light of what the president said? Well, you know, really supportive of, of both the president and and the governor have both shown great leadership through this entire process. I mean, you know, certainly nobody runs for office thinking pandemic is going to be, you know, on the top of your of your to do list each and every day for an extended period of time. Uh, look, this is about very small incremental steps. And I think details do matter, um, you know, in a day and age where it seems like five second sound bites dominate decision making in too many places. Uh, you know, this is about taking very small incremental steps with just a very small handful of businesses that essentially the government had walked up to with just a, you know, an hour's notice sort of and said, you got to just shut your business and walk away from it. This the, the details of this are that there's so many steps and and, and, and rules and regs around having to be safely operating uh, with your consumers. And so, look, I think these are, these are great first steps to take, but they're just small. This is step one of a thousand probably that we're going to have to take and, and uh, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, we continue to keep the health and well-being of Georgians at the, at the, at the foremost. Well, you, I'm glad you say that because I, I, I get the sense. Take, for example, the bowling alleys. I understand why it's on the list and that they're, they're small businesses, often sole proprietor service based, but that in practicality, they probably won't be able to open because they won't be able to meet the standards, even though they're on the list. And there just seems to be, I don't know whether it's just willful or what, but a lot of misreporting about what these initial steps to open businesses are. And I thought the governor and, and you on, on Monday were very clear uh, in how to move forward. And yet uh, you can't control how the media reports these things. Yeah, you, you can't govern 11 million people based on what you read on social media or in the bottom of a blog. Uh, I started picking up the phone two weeks ago and cold calling CEOs and small business owners across the state. And I mean, big, big businesses and small little, you know, shops and, and, and wanting to understand the nuances of their business and their strategy to go forward and their industry. And, and some of the things I discovered were, were eye opening to me and that it really it hammered home the fact that no two businesses are going to recover the same through this. No two industries are going to be able to have the same practices and standards in place because this ultimately comes down to we can talk about government oversight and all of that. And in and, and certain lanes, that's very important. But this is all about consumer confidence, right? I mean, you think about the, the economic side of this. There's really two crises that we're facing. One is the standard recessionary pressures, right? The textbook says when a recession starts to move in, you've got issues with lack of liquidity, access to capital, unemployment. But the other thing that's new to this whole slowdown is this throttle on the consumer. No, every business has got, you know, a restricted flow to their consumer. And so, Everyone's going to have to gain consumer confidence, right? Whether it be a Waffle House or whether it be a you know bowling alley or any other business, they're going to have to make sure they have the standards in place because the consumer is expecting it. Yeah, it's and you know for example, I, I just found yesterday Amazon has their 
disposable, good, uh, sanitized mass back in stock. I, I'm I'm baffled, by the way, when I go to the grocery store, seeing all the people with these surgical masks on, where I've been looking for them for weeks and can't find them. And and so, yeah, the supplies and stuff, I guess, aren't there necessarily for all of these businesses to get back and, and going. But at the same time, there is the other issue here, and that is, of course, the, the, the state tax revenue system. You guys still have an, an open-ended budget for next year. We're going to have clear revenue shortfalls. And, I, I mean, what are you looking at as far as the state financial projections go with all this? Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're in active daily meetings talking about strategy. Uh, you know, the posture of the General Assembly is that we suspended uh, our session uh, about five weeks ago. And, uh, you know, the only piece of business that the Constitution says we got to close out before July 1st is the budget uh, for 2021. And uh, certainly that process is going to look a lot different than we thought it was going to look two months ago. Uh, you're obviously going to be dealing with declining revenues uh, from sales collection. And then you've also got new pressure points in the budget, you know, things that you never thought you'd be spending money on. And then you also have federal involvement. And so we're actively working together with the House, the Senate and the governor's office to understand that process. And, and certainly we're going to have to get back in and, uh, and make some tough decisions. And certainly it's, it's going to look a lot different than we thought it would, but uh, it is definitely one that we're paying attention to. Now, every time you and I have talked, uh, education seems to come up and I'm, I'm going to force it into this conversation right now because I know it's an issue you care about. And I continue to hear, particularly in rural parts of the state, uh, kids are are suffering more with an education lag because of access to technology and, and not being able to meet with teachers. And it seems like if this goes on, particularly if, if the White House is right, and we may see a resurgence in the fall, that this could become a real problem where kids in rural areas fall behind more academically than in urban areas. Well, you know, I think you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, we live in Forsyth County. All three of my kids are in public schools and our online learning tool is is just incredible right now. I mean, I've got a high schooler who's going to graduate with basically taking every class online. I've got a middle schooler who's going to going to go, you know, graduate from eighth grade and a third grader and all three are accelerate. And and one is because of intentional investment into online, uh, you know, tools and resources. Not every part of the state has, has made that as a, as a predominant feature of their, of their plan. But yeah, I think looking forward, we're learning a lot of lessons about this, right? Not just education, uh, we're looking at uh, telehealth. I mean, all the metrics that you look at around telehealth are just astronomical at the amount of adoption around normal primary care type stuff. Uh, telecommuting, companies are realizing the importance of and the value to, to and, and the cost-cutting uh, notions around telecommuting. Teleeducation is one of those. Uh, certainly, you know, I, I feel terrible for, you know, a child that, that has unfortunately had to hit the pause button not the redirect button, but the pause button on their education, because you think about that child in some sort of tough, tough position, right? Whether it be rural or metro, um, you know, that, that education is their greatest lifeline to, to potentially getting them to, to, their, to accomplish their dreams. It is. And man, I, I just, I, I feel bad for the folks in those situations. I mean, where, where we are in Bibb County, the I think the public school system has decided to turn off the academic year May 1st. Meanwhile, my kids are going through till the middle of the month with their teachers every day, but then they can't. It's, it's a private school situation. They got Zoom. They've got access to technology. Uh, and it just, it seems like it's going to increase the gaps there. Um, and, and there's a business gap as well. And I, I know that you have been spending a lot of time talking to CEOs and businesses around. We talked a little bit, small businesses, um, but some of the bigger corporations in the state, I, I had on um, 
the CEO of Waffle House the other day, who seems very supportive of the plan and getting it back to getting the state back to business as best we can. Uh, what are you hearing from some of the bigger corporations in the state as to their views on moving forward? Well, I'm staring at this uh, executive summary that I pulled together for the governor and sent to him uh, with my conversations from some of these just incredibly large global organizations. Uh, you know, uh, and, and Joe Rogers, you, you, you mentioned him, CEO of Waffle House. I mean, he had one of the most impactful conversations with me uh, last week when he said, Jeff, just give me the list of rules and regs. I don't care how tough they are. Just give them to me. And I promise you we'll be great at executing on them because our livelihoods depend on it. And Joe wasn't talking about his livelihood. He was talking about the tens of thousands of folks that, that work for him. And, the, you know, the single mom is worried about putting food on the table or, or the, the couple that's worried about the mortgage or, you know, you, you, you name this scenario. That's what private sector and, and, and I believe one of the greatest fruits from this is going to be innovation. Right. I'm, I'm an optimist by nature. Um, and, and, and for me, I think there is going to be some positives that come out of this and innovation from the private sector is going to be huge. Uh, and they're going to have to dig deep to, to get maintain customers, you know, uh, level of, of uh, expectations. And, uh, you know, Joe and, and a number of the other CEOs. But to hear, to hear them dissect this is, is fascinating because, you know, one CEO talked about access to child care, right, runs a huge global organization and said, you know, one of the issues they're going to face here in this country is when it is time to go back to work that maybe if the kids aren't going back to school yet, or there's some sort of, you know, miss, you know, over, not, not an overlap, then, you know, what do you do? Well, that's a challenge that we got to figure out, or we at least got to communicate. Uh, you know, it's funny you should say that. I, I, that's been the number one concern I've heard from people is that uh, they're ready to go back to work and their companies are starting to look and see, and um, they, they don't think their daycare is going to be open, so they're not going to be able to go back to work unless they take their kid to work, which they don't want to do. Yeah, there, there's so many unintended, and I hate to even use the word unintended because no, none of this was intended, but, right. you know, an, ancillary issues that, that arise out of this. I mean, just think about foster care. Think about if you're, you're a kid who's 20 years old today and tomorrow you're 21. And, and the law says when you turn 21, uh, the state is no longer your parent and you're on your own. Uh, and you got the clothes on your back and whatever you can carry in the bag out the door. I mean, these are, these are complete unintended consequences. Think about our health care system in general right now. Uh, one of the one of the most important things I think that the governor announced on Monday was returning what I call liquidity to the healthcare system. We're now going to allow and, and encourage hospitals and, and providers that have surplus capacity to start once again performing elective procedures, right? Things like you know mammograms and MRIs and and knee surgeries and things of that nature that we need to make sure. And, and think about the twofold, threefold. One is people need it for their health. Two is it's a massive part of our local communities' economies, and three, it gains the trust of people. If my if one of my friends is a doctor and he tells me he's going back to work, I'm just going to believe his medical opinion that they feel like there's a there's a high level of of ability to to control and continue to flatten and deflect the curve, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly we're going to see that uh, continue to play out. Well, look, I, I know you, you know, I've had plenty of conversations and, and I know you like to talk policy and where we're headed as a state and yet this, man, I, this is the first news cycle that we just can't shake week after week. We're still talking about it. And I appreciate you coming by to talk about it, all the unforeseen events that, that come along with an unforeseen pandemic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's funny. I told the kids the other night, I said, kids, I, 
I reviewed all my stump speeches from running for lieutenant governor, and I don't remember mentioning pandemic. But uh, <laughs> certainly, look, this is the this is the time time we're in. Leadership matters. Um, you know, understanding the data, understanding you know the the trajectories is is extremely important. And proud of proud of the work we're doing. Well, I, I appreciate all the work you're doing. I really do. And and I will leave it there with you. Thank you very much for stopping by. I'll let you go back to the thunderstorm. Yes, sir. Have a great day. You too. Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, all of us here, uh, unless you're in Rome, you're clear right now. I'm a little jealous. It is storming here in middle Georgia. We will be back.